It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome to the mini break. Your date podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Thursday, September 21st, a weird day in Guadalajara, certainly won the battle of the headlines, but there were plenty of results for us to discuss from the last 24 hours in the tennis world here on today's show. Now, things getting weird in Mexico is certainly where we have to start. You saw multiple upsets on the day as our quarter finals are now set at that 1,000 level WTA event. You saw top seed on Jabir knocked out in three sets by Martina Trevisan. Caroline Dalahide continuing to consolidate her spot in the top 100, the 25-year-old American dominating Ekaterina Alexandrova. You had another big Sonia Kennan win, this time over Yelena Ostapenko. Plenty of things for us to talk about from Guadalajara here on today's show. Of course, our semifinals are now set at our other WTA Tour level event happening this week. Semifinals in Guangzhou going to feature Magda Lynette, who overcomes a three-set point first-set deficit to earn a straight set victory over Rebecca Masarova. We'll talk about how Putin Seva, Hrit Minin, Wang Shiyu joined her in that round. We'll give you an update on where things stand in Parma. Talk about all the WTA action here on today's show. Of course, we finally have a significant amount of main draw action on the ATP side of things to discuss now. It was a pretty steady day. The only real upset, and I don't even know if this qualifies as one, Marcos own knocking off Sasha Bublik, not particularly surprising. It was a fun match to watch. Certainly match of the day on the men's side. Mackie McDonald going three sets with a talented 18-year-old from China, Jerry Shang. Mackie ultimately pulling through in that one. But I've seen some progression from Jerry Shang over the last six months that do feel worth noting here as he's a young prospect. You should just keep in the back of your mind someone who could absolutely make a mini leap here to end 20. 2023, and then someone I think we could hear plenty from as we approach 2024. So we'll break down the first day of ATP tour level action in Asia. I want to offer you all an update on the Columbus Challenger as well. That's the agenda here on today's show. Of course, a thank you to all of you listeners for tuning day in, day out. It allows us to pursue so many different things here at Cracked Rackets, such as our coverage of the college tennis world. And we are thrilled to kick off our first college tennis broadcast of the new season this weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We'll have the Pepperdine men, Michigan men, Kentucky men, and Louisville men all competing in the Malibu showdown. Matches are going to be 1 p.m., 5 p.m. Eastern time on Friday and Saturday, noon and 4 p.m. Eastern time on Sunday. 
look, Kentucky and Michigan were top 10 teams, top eight teams, both reaching the quarterfinals of the NCAA tournament last season. Pepperdine, a top 29 squad, or number 29 squad that brings in the number five newcomer, top 600 player. Edward Winter, you've got a Louisville squad that is absolutely on the rise. They were, I think, 36 or 34-ish to end last season, and they have two of the top 50 players returning in the country on their roster in the preseason singles rankings. I say it all the time. I think I've said it every day this week in trying to promote this event, but right now there are 15 players in the ATP Top 100 singles rankings with college tennis ties, 36 doubles players in the ATP Top 100 with college ties. You want to know who the next rising prospects are? Tune into our coverage of the college tennis season. That starts this weekend, Friday through Sunday. First match at 1 p.m. Friday. We'll have coverage first ball to last. Be sure to join us. You want to hear more about the event? Go check out my interview with Pepperdine men's tennis head coach Adam Schachterly. Now available on the Cracked Interviews podcast feed. There will be a preview up tomorrow on the GSP feed, previewing the event, forecasting what you all should watch for. So again, and that's tennis we have coming up for all of you here at Crack Rackets. We know we get those opportunities because so many of you choose to listen day in, day out to these shows. We're immensely grateful for that. Grateful for the support we get from our friends at Tennis Point as well. Tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15 for all of the latest and greatest products in the tennis world. All right, plugs out of the way. Let's get into the last 24 hours of results. Let's start again with just a weird day. Things got weird in Guadalajara. Multiple upsets, most notably, is certainly the upset of top seed on Jabur. Jabur had an opportunity to put away the WTA finals race. She's right now sitting in the eighth spot. And for what it's worth, she comes out of Guadalajara with no less than a 307 point lead. Of course, it will be more. More than that, if Maria Sakari does not take the title, but let's say Sakari does, then again, it will be a 307-point lead with Ostrova, Linz, a few other things on the calendar. You know, 300 points isn't safe. Right now, she's about 600 points ahead of ninth place Madison Keys. That is a little bit more comfortable. But if Keys does want to make a push, Jabur will have to play for the remainder of the season. You know, again, had she had a big run here at this 1,000-level event, made a semifinal or even a quarterfinal run, probably puts this race away. Now, it's a credit to Martina Trevisan, who fought off eight set points in the first set, ultimately dropping it 7-6 before fighting her way to a come-from-behind 6-7-7-5-6-3 victory. For Martina Trevisan, that has struggled at various points in the year. It is remarkable that she is going to end this season inside the top 50, currently sitting at 41 in the world. You look at her rank, uh, her record, excuse me, 21 and 22 overall on the season. Well, here's the big thing. She made a quarterfinal at a 1,000-level event in Miami. She now makes a quarterfinal at a 1,000-level event in Guadalajara. I would point out those are two hardcourt results. This is someone who we've seen make a semifinal as well as a quarterfinal at the French Open in separate years. It was certainly a step up for Trevisan on the hard courts at the big events this season. Now, she was knocked out second round by Van Drusova at the U.S. Open, but keep in mind her first round win, a love 6-7-6-7-6 come from behind victory over Putensiva. 
a weird year for the soon-to-be 30-year-old who is going to end the season inside the top 50. Again, the lefty can just be so physical, and it was that physicality that she brought to this three-hour, two-minute match against Jabur. And, you know, again, Trevisan, pinpoint accuracy, gets outside the ball extraordinarily well, but, oh, my God, does her ball fly through these uh, elevated Guadalajara conditions, and that heavy topspin forehand just got up on the shoulder of Anjabur, and that high elevated over the net loopy ball just bought her all sorts of time, and again, more than anything, this match was played on Trevisan's terms. Jabur was uncomfortable and unwilling to pull the trigger early in rallies to implement her slice game because that slice would sit up and, you know, then Trevisan can be on the attack. Trevisan so apt at changing directions. Look, this is a really physical, very competitive match. It goes the way of Trevisan, and that's a disappointing loss, certainly for Anjabur, given the context of what she could have accomplished this week. Again, a credit to Trevisan, who played very good tennis and is, when she is in form, when she is locked in, that physicality she can impose is a top 25 level of physicality. Jabur got tentative. It's as simple as that. And unfortunately, we've seen that happen to her a couple of times in crunch time in matches. And Trevisan was able to make her pay for it in these particular conditions. Trevisan advances again, second quarterfinal for her at a 1,000 level event and a massive opportunity as she's going to take on Caroline Dalahide. Now it's a career week for Dalahide. First quarterfinal, I believe, at the tour level in singles of her career. And it comes at a 1,000-level event in Guadalajara. Now, again, I think we only had three top 10 players at this 1,000-level event in the main draw to start. There was certainly a massive opportunity in the draw for her to get in. She takes advantage of it. 111 in the world to start the week with this run to the quarterfinals. Dalahide now solidly inside the top 100 at number 79. You look in her career. Uh, excuse me. It is not her first quarterfinal. It's her second quarterfinal of the season, second quarterfinal overall in her career. But it speaks to the growth we've seen uh, from the 25-year-old this year. Excuse me, third quarterfinal overall. She made one in Quebec City back in 2017 as well. Still, you look for Caroline Dalahide now 41-22 and 22 overall on the season. Again, a lot of that success has come at the ITF level where she's made three different finals, won two titles. She's had to play 25Ks this year. She's not going to have to do that next season. Again, quarterfinal points at a 1,000-level event. And look, she's got serious weapons. When Trevisan throws that high loopy ball up at her shoulder, Dalahide's going to be more than comfortable hitting her forehand down and extending through that ball, redirecting down the line, moving forward whenever Trevisan plays the slice now. Again, if Trevisan can get Dalahide stretched into the outer thirds, that's where she struggles. But how much is going to be left in the tank for Trevisan after that three-hour, two-minute match? So this is another massive opportunity for both of these players. Trevisan's the favorite according to Tennis Abstract, 73.7. But again, speaks to the opportunities. One of Martina Trevisan and Caroline Dalahide is going to make the semifinals of a 1,000-level event this week. You love to see it. And I said at the start of the week, I loved how loaded the top half of the draw was because you had an Ostapenko, you had a Keys, you had a Jabur, Alexandrovas played well. There are no seeds remaining in the top half of the draw. Three in the bottom half, none in the top as that bottom half quarterfinal. Two players who are playing top 40 tennis, maybe even better than that right now. And 
If you listened to our mini-break coverage of the event in Cleveland, where we were fortunate enough to be courtside, you heard me rave about the level I saw from Leila Fernandez in wins over Noskova and Tossin. Now, Fernandez got knocked out in a marathon three-set match, first-round U.S. Open against Alexandrova, lost three sets first-round San Diego to Haddad Maya. Competition, dare I say, has been a step down this week. And she has made the most of that opportunity. First round win over Asia Muhammad, three and four victory over Elisa Mertens. She was broken just twice in the match, despite making fewer than 50% of her first serves. Now she gets Emma Navarro, or she had Emma Navarro in the round of 16. Navarro coming off of a semifinal in San Diego. How much gas did she have left in the tank? You could tell just the shot making of Fernandez, how relentless she is in moving you side to side to side, taking that ball just a little bit earlier than you expect. Fernandez also much more comfortable on the serve in this match, won 82% of her first serve points, faced just one break point in the match, went unbroken on serve in Navarro's top 20. Even if you filter out all of her ITF result, top 20 returner right now amongst top 50 players on tour. Fernandez is just locked in. She's moving so well, and her ability to beat you to the spot, look, her hands have always been exceptional. She's made two finals or three finals in her career, excuse me, and won two titles in Mexico. And, you know, again, this condition, these elevated conditions, that ability to add just the extra two, three miles per hour to every shot she hits very much amplifies her game well. And she has to sort of control, again, the field to keep her ball in despite that. Layla is balling right now. And again, came through qualifying, made round of 16 Washington, Two wins, including a win over Haddad, wins over Haddad Maya and Stearns, excuse me, to make the round of 16 in Montreal. Quarterfinals in Cleveland, now quarterfinals here in Guadalajara as well. She's back up to 57 in the live rankings. Should absolutely be a top 50 player to start next season. And, you know, again, you look at what she has to defend at the start of the year. Quarterfinals Auckland, okay, no problem. Second round Australian Open, very defendable. After that, she has three main draw victories till the start of April. She wins two matches between Miami, Indian Wells. I mean, she should be back in the top 50. She should be seeded come Roland Garros next year because she couldn't play Stuttgart. She lost first round Rome. She lost first round Madrid. And this is someone who we've seen make quarterfinals of a French Open already in her career Layla Fernandez is back, and it's an excellent litmus test in her next match is she's going to take on a Sonia Kennan, who has put on a lot of miles over the course of the past few weeks. Kennan, finalist last week in San Diego, now earns a 4-5 and five straight set victory over Yelena Ostapenko, a match where she was broken just once to reach the quarterfinals in Guadalajara. Kennan back inside the top 50 for the first time since January 2022. She fell as low as 425 in the rankings. Keep in mind, you know, again, with all the injuries, for Sonia Kennan to be back inside the top 50 this quickly, it's a testament to the fact she is a former slam champion. She made a separate French Open final as well. We know what her ceiling can be. I mean, she matched Ostapenko's firepower, just shot for shot. Kennan was ready. Now, Ostapenko, the unforced error, certainly piled up more in this match than any of her previous battles, but part of that was just because Kennan was swinging freely. Kennan was punishing every second serve she saw, and on a day where Ostapenko made just 54% of her first serves, Kennan was on top of every second serve. You know, Kennan forced 10 break points to Ostapenko's five. Now, again, only four breaks in this match. It was not the most physical match. You didn't get a lot of 10 
shot rallies, let alone five plus shot rallies. Kennan was better. Like she was put more balls in play and was able to match Ostapenko's firepower and first strike aggression. It's a credit to Kennan now. She's won seven of her last eight. That one loss, a three-set loss to Krejcikova in the San Diego final. She's also won eight of her last ten. The two losses, again, three sets to Krejcikova, three sets to Kasakina. Here will be the last one. Since the start of Wimbledon qualifying, five, nine, 12, 13. She's won 13 of her last 16 matches. The three losses, Krejcikova in three, Kasakina in three, Fidelina in straights, but she beat Coco Goff at that event. Sonia Kennan is back, and that's better for the tennis world because, again, the game style is just different. A combination of creativity mixed in with some sneaky, nice firepower. And look, the point where Kennan broke Ostapenko in the second set showed off her exceptional physicality. Like, just the movement's back. Like, the, the feel is back. The anticipation is back. She's confident again. It's fun to see her striking the ball well. Again, that's a really fun top half of the draw. Massive opportunities. Trevisan versus Dalahide. Fernandez versus Kennan. The favorite to advance to the final right now, Martina Trevisan, then Kennan, then Fernandez, then a big dip, then Caroline Dalahide. Dalahide, the favorite by virtue of having to play, uh, excuse me, Trevisan's the favorite because she plays Dalahide. In reality, what they're telling you there is that they think Sonia Kennan is the favorite to advance to the final bottom half of the draw. Again, a shout out to Caroline Garcia, was down a set and a break to Sasnovich before even reaching the round of 16 yesterday. Uh, early break that she seeds back to Baptiste, but was just the steadier of the two and her pace. Just it overwhelmed Haley Baptiste, a five and four win for Caroline Garcia. Now Baptiste went up an early break in the second, struggled with her second serve, just double faulted that first set away, double faulted the breakaway in the second. And all you need to give Caroline Garcia is a hair of an opening. She's going to take advantage of it. Caroline Garcia now 10 quarterfinals overall on this season. That's tied for the second most. It's Sabalenka with 11, Goff, Sviantek, Garcia with 10. Now, obviously, Garcia has more 250 quarterfinals than those than Goff, Sviantek, whom she's tied with. But, hey, 10 quarterfinals is nothing to snuff your nose at. And, you know, with those 10 quarterfinals, I mean, maybe this speaks to the event she's played. Caroline Garcia, 23rd in the points race. She still has some massive points to defend this season with the tour finals coming off of her record. So she's going to have to make a push here. She's 11th right now overall in the rankings. But in reaching the quarterfinals here again, if nothing else, should sustain her top 25 ranking to end the year. And obviously a massive opportunity to push even further forward here with a big run. She's going to take on Victoria Azarenka. Azarenka 2-1. Dusted Kudermatova. Big result uh, for Azarenka who has had flashes but has put together three solid matches so far this week. Last big storyline in Guadalajara. How about Emiliana Arango? Had no business winning the opening set against Taylor Townsend. Townsend served for that opening set. Arango ultimately breaking Townsend, taking the first set 7-5. Now Townsend cruised to a second set 6-1, and I continue to stand in awe of Townsend's ability. Just her ball in these conditions, how it flies through that Guadalajara court. I love the serve and volley. I love the feel. She's up a break in the third set, and it's a credit to the 22-year-old from Columbia. Her first career quarterfinal at the tour level comes at a 1,000-level event, propels her up to number 120 in the rankings. That's a new career high. 
the physicality is there, and there's some sneaky nice pop in her forehand. It reminds me a lot of Kasekina. I think that's the comparison I would point to for Emiliana Arango right now. It doesn't have the biggest weapons, but the creativity, the speed, and the sneaky twitchiness is there for Arango. And more than anything else, much like Kasekina, she is just a fighter. Yeah, I think that physicality of Kasekina. Now, again, Kasekina hits the down the line with a little bit more power. She plays slice more frequently. I'm trying to think of other comps. I don't know. I, I think that's the one. Like, for me right now. Now, again, Kasekina a little bit stronger, a little bit more pop in her game. But I like the backhand for ring. I just, I like what I've seen so far. I love her speed in these conditions. 6-4 in the third. Now she's going to take on Maria Sakari. Sakari. Pretty comprehensive 2-2 two and two victory over Camelia Georgie. Struggled at times with the serve, but was dominant on the return. And again, it's a big run for Sakari to get to this quarterfinal. It will keep her inside the top 10 for another week. She's sitting at number 9. You look for her in the points race. She's up to 14th. One more win. She'll leap Ostapenko for 13th. Should she get to a final? I mean, again, now she's talking in that. 10, 11 range, sustaining a top 10 ranking going into next season, which given her struggles at the majors is really all she can ask for. Maria Sakri, by the way, in reaching the quarterfinals here in Guadalajara, it's her eighth, six months right now on the WTA tour amongst top 50 players. So even in the struggles, there have been moments of success. That's your quarterfinal field. Trevisan Dalahide, Fernandez Kennan, Azarenka Garcia, Arango Sakari. Right now, Sakari 37% favorite. That's because she plays Arango in the in the quarterfinal round after that. Azarenka, Garcia, Kennan, Trevisan, all between 10 and 17%. So it's anyone's ball game. Things are funky. We'll keep our eye on it as we move forward through the rest of the week. Of course, we've got other tour-level action on the women's side as well to quickly blitz through that. It was a very competitive day in Guangzhou. Multiple three-set matches. In fact, I believe three of the four. Yeah, because in my mind, Magda Lynette, Rebecca Masarova was a three-set match. Masarova, the big-hitting Spaniard who, of course, upset Sakari round one of the U.S. Open. 5-4-40 love. She's serving for the opening set. Lynette breaks back, takes the next three games. Tennis is a funny game like that. And look, there's a physicality Magda Lynette brings, and she certainly got away. She was down a mini break in the second set breaker as well. Masarova plays a very tentative point. She had set point up 6-5 in that breaker. Lynette did hit a good backhand cross court, but Masarova just kind of hung a return of serve. She had a very clean look at. It's a much-needed run for Magda Lennon. You look in reaching this semifinal in Guangzhou. It's her first semifinal since the Australian Open. At the start of the season, she's made just three quarterfinals overall on the year, now 24 and 21, but again, came into the week 500 overall. Massive run for her, not only to certainly sustain that top 50 uh, ranking, but give her a little cash of points as well for when that Australian Open result does come off of her resume. You look right now, Magdalenette currently sitting at 26 in the live rankings. Not too shabby. She'll take on Yulia Putenseva. Three hours plus in her battle with Tatiana Maria. Now, ultimately, Putenseva, six love in the third, able to pull away. She just matched Maria's physicality. All the slices, all the extended rallies, the drop shots, the uncomfortable bends. 
Pretensiva was ready for it. She reaches the semifinals now here in Guangzhou. You look for the 28-year-old. It is her first semifinal at the tour level of the season. Uh, it is her first semifinal overall at the tour level, I believe, uh, since Budapest, July of last season. So a big result for her to end the year. She was in jeopardy of falling out outside the top 181 to start the week, up to 71 now in the live rankings with this result. And, you know, again, I would guarantee two and a half plus hours in that match with Lynette Putenseva. They are going to grind in these conditions other side of the draw, good win for Freet Minnen. Again, she gets a three-set win over Bronzetti. You look for Minnen with this result up to a new career high. Number 59 in the live rankings is the uh, 26-year-old from Belgium. You look for Minnen now overall in the season. How has she gotten to this new career high? 53-16. and 16. Overall in the year, a ton of success at the 100K, 125K level where she has made multiple finals. She's also made multiple finals at the 60K, 40K level where she's won a ton of titles. Again, you go 43 and uh, 53 and 16, you win 77% of your matches. You have our attention. She certainly does. New career high for Minin. She reaches the semifinals in Guangzhou. And I'm actually curious for Freet Minin, what semifinal number is this? in her career, excuse me, at the tour level. You look for Minin in her career tour level semifinals. This is her third first since Prague in July of 2021. She'll take on the talented young player from China, Wang Shiyu. You look for Shiyu uh, ultimately now, the 22-year-old now up to number 72 in the live ranking. She reaches the semifinals three-set win over Kuzmova. Lefty's got power. Again, I don't think she's quite as fluid as her fellow uh, young Chinese players turning 22 this year, Wang Xinyu. But she hits the snot out of the ball with that forehand, gets outside the ball really well and drives through it. Again, not quite as fluid in the outer thirds with her ground stroke production. I don't think her first step is quite as powerful as Wang Xinyu's either, but not to compare the two young Chinese prospects because they're both top 100. And again, they're where you want to be at this point of their careers. Again, big result for reaching the semifinals here. Very winnable match against Hreet Minin. Uh, certainly for Wang Xiu to get this semifinal, consolidate that top 100 position, puts her in a good spot to end this season. That's where things stand right now in Guangzhou. Right now, you look in Parma, one, the 125K semifinal is set on the bottom half of the draw. It'll be top uh, second seeded Ana Bogdan taking on Ana Bondar. You also had Katarina Kawa into the semifinal. She'll face the winner of Kaya Yuvan and Ana Karolina Schmidlova. That's where things stand right now in our three women's events. We're keeping an eye on. On the men's side, things start to get rocking and rolling in both Chengdu and Zhuhai. Let's start with the action in Chengdu. Most notable first round match on the day, probably Marcos Giron, 7-6-6-3. He knocks out fifth-seeded Sasha Bublik. Bublik goes up an early break to love. Giron gets that break immediately back, lets out Aurora, and they're like, okay, matches on. And look, Giron can match physicality, his ability to track down the drop shots, his ability to deal with the power of Bublik because Giron is, I would argue, one of the stronger players we have in the top 100, dish out some of his own pace. 
It's a really good win for Garon, who has now been a top 100 guy. What, three consecutive seasons? You look for Garon in winning this first-round match. He actually fell. Why did he fall 18 spots in the live rankings this week? Oh, it's because he made the final of San Diego at this time last season, much like Brandon Nakashima, who now outside the top 100. We talked about that yesterday. So he's got to have a big week, gets it off to a strong start, going to hold his spot. He's 82 right now in the live rankings. Good place for the 30-year-old to be. Uh, Marcos Giron, straight set win over Sasha Bublik. He'll take on Arthur Rinderkanesh. It, it's a big opportunity for both guys to sneak in a 250-level quarterfinal here to end the year. Rinderkanesh currently inside the top 70 as he has built his ranking back up. He gets a 6-6 six and six victory over Lee Two in round number one. Two breaks of serves total in that match. It was exactly what you think it looked like in a match featuring the big serving Rinder Kanesh. But again, I would say those are your two most notable round number one results. Now you look for Sasha Bublik, who, of course, there are certain weeks when he can produce magic, right? You look at his record just quickly overall on the year. Talk about a tale of getting hot at the right moments. Bublik, 27 and 30 in his last 52 weeks, 22 and 26 overall in the season, and yet. Wins the title in Hala, fourth round Wimbledon, semifinals Marseille, still a top 30 player in the world. You marvel at it. Sometimes you just marvel at it with Sasha Bublik. Still, Giron advances there. Your other seeds knocked out, six seeded Max Purcell, knocked out by Jordan Thompson, two and six. Uh, we talked about Vukic's lost three sets yesterday to Taro Daniel. Other than that, your winners, Katov, Mute, Kesmanovic. My birthday brother, Juan Pablo Varias, a good victory for him as he continues to consolidate his top 100 spot. Juan Pablo Varias currently sitting uh, at number 67 in the live rankings. It is funny watching him and I go, wow, you are my exact age. Like, that could be me out there. Uh, no, it could not. But anyways, you guys have heard enough about him. Shout out. Uh, to the Peruvian, a 1-3 victory. He advances to a matchup with Grigor Dimitrov. Uh, your other winners, O'Connell, Lajevic, three sets over Zizou Bergs. That was a very fun first-round match. It's fun watching Bergs knife backhand slices, then hit the massive plus-one forehand, move forward behind it. Maybe his best comp is Steve Johnson. Watching that, that was certainly the vibes, as the kids say, that I was feeling. The big win upset Philip Sukulic, uh, Sukulic, excuse me, the qualifier, knocking out Nuno Borges. 6-3 in the third. Sets up the round of 16. Now, again, what are the most notable matches? Rinder Kanesh's Giron. Dan Evans versus Roman Safulin should be really fun. And then why not Kesmenovic quarantine Mute? Mute will disrupt Kesmenovic's rhythm, and he's such a rhythm player. That's a fun round of 16 match. My promise to you, barring something tremendously funky in Guadalajara, will lead with the men's action tomorrow. I'll lock in on some of those round of 16 matches. But for now, that's where things stand in Chengdu. Zverev, 37.4% favorite. Dimitrov, 22.2%. Then Musetti, 10.1%. Dan Evans. Evans 8.6. Over in Zhuhai, action got underway as well, or at least significant first round action. Now in the books, you look in terms of upsets by rankings, certainly Alexander Muller knocking out Rinki Hijikata 3-2 feels like a little bit of an upset, but keep in mind, Hijikata went from New York to finals of the Kerry Challenger in North Carolina last week, flying all the way to Zhuhai, playing this match this week. That's a schedule loss still. Muller, the opportunity was there. He took it. Good win for 
Tomas Martin Echeverry, again, got to get these sorts of wins to consolidate top 50 rankings. The fifth seed does. Andy Murray got pushed. I thought his opponent, Mo Yitzong, played very sound tennis, but in brutal conditions, Murray threw five and three, sets up a matchup with Aslan Karatsev. Karatsev, probably your match of the day, six seven seven six six two. He knocks out Matteo Arnaldi. Nope, not your match of the day, but close to it. Arnaldi's just freaking good. We saw him beat Nori at the U.S. Open, obviously, before getting knocked out by Alcaraz in round four. Um, he's just sound everywhere. And he pushed Karatsev to the brink. Karatsev really raised his level, though, down a set and a break. Uh, I believe he... Breaks Arnaldi 4-5 all to extend the match, and I think there were four consecutive breaks, I believe, in that second set at that portion of the match. 3-all to 3-4 to 4-all to 4-5 to 5-all. Anyways, Karatsev threw 6-2 in the third. He's fighting for his top 100 spot. That's probably your most intriguing Second round matchup on the board, Karatsev versus Murray, but certainly was enjoyable to watch Mackie McDonald versus Jerry Shang, the 18-year-old from China, who I think has definitely taken a step forward this year. Sat sitting at 158 in the rankings, 29 and 18 overall. You look at the results he's had. He's made three different challenger quarterfinals. He has yet to make a challenger final this season, but you know, again, has had some success. Round of 16 in Washington, qualified in Roland Garros, qualified at the Australian Open and won a match there as well. 19-year-old, uh, excuse me, 18-year-old just has weapons. And when he has his feet set and can snap into his forehand, the point is over. And his ability to snap the ball that easily by someone as quick as Mackie McDonald, you just can't fake that power. And, you know, once upon a time, I said Jerry Shang, because of his age, where he was in the rankings, the challenger success he had, I joked around, he's not eliminated from the GOAT race. I've eliminated him from the GOAT race subsequently in that time. But he's going to be a really good player. And right now, the serve sits up a little bit, but it snaps. There's some pace there uh, when he when he hits it well. You know, again, he's gotten much more fluid in the outer thirds, much more comfortable extending uh, rallies with depth and hitting through that shot instead of bailing out with the slice. I do think his forehand, because the backswing's big, it can be pressured by pace, but he's getting better at handling that as well. The forehand is just so explosive, though, and when you can hit a ball like that, you just have my attention. Again, very good win for Mackey coming over from Davis Cup, getting a first-round win. He's going to stay in the top 50 up to a new career high. 38 right now is Mackey McDonald, though. He still has some points to defend. If memory serves me correct, he made a final at the end of last season, or maybe not a final, but I think there was a semifinal, right, at the end of last year. He made semifinals in Naples, quarterfinals uh, Florence, quarterfinal Seoul. So, yeah, he still has some serious points to defend. Gets things going now in Zhuhai with this win, uh, opening round victory. Now, again, looking at what's remaining in this Zhuhai draw, or excuse me, uh, the other what's remaining, other first round matches just to blitz through. Disappointing one for Diego Schwartzman, forced to retire against Alex Bolt, obviously. Schwartzman continuing his slide down the rankings, unfortunately. Kimmer Kopenhans, good win for him over Kovacevic. Green, Lloyd Harris, Pullman's your other winners. Looking at the most interesting second-round matchups, how is a, obviously Murray Karatsev is fascinating. The contrast in size, Nishioka versus Harris. 
How healthy is Sebastian Corda? Let's find out as he's going to take on Alexandra Muller. So plenty of intrigue remaining right now. Nori's the favorite, 15-9. After that, Corda 15-3. Murray 15-2. Hatchinov 13-9. McDonald 13-3. What are they saying? It's anyone's uh, battle in Zuhai, and certainly we look forward to watching that action unfold moving forward. Last but not least, Columbus Challenger thoughts. I mean, look, it was a good day yesterday uh, for a couple of guys in particular. I thought Dennis Kudlow, very impressive in a 6-3 in the third win over Michael Geertz. You had Tristan Schoolkate, 6-1 in the third over his Oftentimes, doubles partner Adam Walton. Schoolkate's had a really good summer, really good years. He continues to progress towards the top 200, top 150. Schoolkate right now, I believe, sitting, what, at 262 in the points race. But in the live rankings right now, Schoolkate, yeah, 273. So, again, he's not in spots off his career high, which he's one victory away from achieving. He'll take on Kudla in the quarterfinals. Good win for the top seed in straight sets. Ryan Penniston, your other winner, straight sets over tennis sandgren very excited for the all buckeye battle james trotter who did not lose a dual match last season for the buckeyes he's taken on his former now former teammate cannon kingsley we of course saw both of these guys make challenger finals this summer that's a fascinating battle in Columbus. And then their teammate, J.J. Tracy, I think is going to beat Vashik Pospisil today. Uh, Pospisil escaping with a three-set win yesterday over Nishesh Basavaretti. By the way, Kingsley, a win over former UVA's Alex Richard. Trotter, a three-set win over third-seeded Emilio Gomez. Fun battles on the board. Give Challenger Tennis your attention, if not in Columbus. Go watch Michael Moe, who continues to consolidate his top 100 ranking. He's in a quarterfinal in St. Tropez. Uh, so there's your action. That's what I'm watching throughout the course of this weekend. Of course, starting tomorrow, we'll have more tennis for all of you available on our Cracked Rackets YouTube channel as our coverage of the Malibu Showdown begins. Pepperdine, Michigan, Louisville, Kentucky men all competing throughout the weekend. First ball struck at 1 p.m. Eastern time. We'll have second match at 5 p.m. as well. Again, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Cracked Rackets YouTube channel. Be sure to check it out. Of course, a shout out as always to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, for the f*** of an enemy job he does day in, day out, making all of our content possible. A shout out as well to our dear friends at Tennis Point, tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15 for all of the latest and greatest products in the tennis world with all all of that said, for our fantastic super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at Tennis Point, from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what I'll be saying. That's the break. We'll talk to you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.